You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where it is the Seahawks Week 9 news roundup and chat with Matty, that's me, and Ty, which is That's Ty. me! Wow, there we go. Professional. <laughs> Uh, we got yeah. some. We got some immediate Seahawks news, which is the uh, left cornerback or outside cornerback, Sidney Jones, was released. Uh, they it sounded like they tried to trade him. There was all these like leaks through the media, like, "Oh, Sidney Jones may be available for trade." And as Trey Brown's release comes up, uh, re- not release, return comes up. There's that kind of thing weighing over it where it's like well how's he going to get a roster spot and who does he replace is it Artie Burns is it Sidney Jones but it still feels harsh tie on Sidney Jones given that he kind of solidified the left side after Trey Brown got injured through the back half of the 2021 season when Seattle's back-end coverage unit played really good football yeah I I wonder what happened here that that uh, I mean I guess Part of the answer, at least, is Mike Jackson's played really well, especially as of late, and Sydney just lost that battle. Uh, but to get to a point where he ended up being a healthy scratch a couple of times and now ends up getting released, um, it's interesting to 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 think about you know maybe what's gone on in practice, what happened during camp. Obviously, he was hurt, but you know what kind of all came together here that led led uh, the Seahawks to this conclusion where they're and they just basically have given up on Sidney Jones and have waved him and are now allowing him to go seek an opportunity to start elsewhere and maybe part of that is just respect for the player 
and uh, you know saying just hey you know you're you're probably not gonna or the path to you starting here is not very clear so we're gonna allow you to go out and well first we're gonna try and trade you somewhere that you can get an opportunity to play but if not we'll release you um but yeah i you know i'm going to assume that the uh the, the reason that they weren't able to hammer out a deal is just they didn't really have much leverage right at, at the end of it that they um you know it leaked what two or three weeks ago that he was on the trade block and it seems like at least by the way that it was being reported that they were kind of openly shopping him and mm -hmm. i wonder if teams just kind of saw the writing on the wall with that and um and just waited it out until he got released i, I was kind of surprised though that maybe like a team like the the Bengals didn't bite and just threw them like a sixth or a conditional seventh or whatever their way for yeah, him especially with all the yeah, especially with all the uh, the injuries that they've had with uh, Cheetah Bay Awuzie getting hurt most recently. Like, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I you know, I wish the best for Sydney. I uh, hope that he gets an opportunity to play um, and gets in a situation where he can uh, get back on track here. Uh, because uh, you know, we saw some good stuff out of him towards the end of last year, and so there, there's a, a, at least a decent cornerback there. Yeah. So what goes into that good stuff? Well. They were playing quite a bit of middle field closed coverage. Uh, sorry, middle field open coverage. So essentially, he'd always have a safety helping over the top or to his in over the top if it was cover two or inside, but over the top if it was cover four, right? And, you know, that is still difficult, but it is less difficult if you can be that simplistic then you cover threes, you cover ones where you're more on an island out there and you only have help in the deep post when it comes to deep coverage, the deep middle third. Uh, so there's that going on. Then there's also the fact that this year they've transitioned to more kind of uh, man-like cover three where it's like Saban's rip Liz. So it's asking a bit more of the cornerback. And rather than Seattle's old cover three, like this cornerback's basically playing more man-like on pretty much every snap. Whereas there's a bit more zone baked into Seattle in previous years. There's also, I think, but but more than that, you know, he, he was earning he was earning 1.6% of Seattle's cap this year, whereas RT Burns is earning 0.9%. Burns obviously is more familiar with the system. Jones, you know, he looked he got up to speed a bit, but he did have some issues uh, learning. The system last year he was a bit slow uh, slow getting up the speed as griffin uh has pointed out in the past and then you know there's the, the cap number and then if you're viewing him as the, the fourth string cornerback right well then contribute on special teams but he doesn't really contribute on special teams maybe that was to try and keep him healthy to to go out and uh you know, get get a deal somewhere else, get traded somewhere else. But he just didn't. Whereas, like, Xavier Coleman comes in off the practice squad. He's flying downfield. He's almost hitting 23 miles per hour on um, kickoff mm -hmm. coverage, uh, according to next-gen stats. So there's that at play as well. And then you think about Trey Brown coming back, Ty. Trey Brown can contribute on special teams. Yeah, so I also kind of wonder if, because Sydney was concussed, right? He was concussed at one he point. He did have a concussion, and it, it was a. Uh, he's had a history of con. Well, he's had previous concussions that have been, you know, reported, and he's missed time with. 
And this concussion, it took him, they were they were very careful with it, which good, but also it took him a while, I think, to get back up to speed uh, just to recover from the concussion, right? Yeah, and so I, I kind of wonder if that also played into a part or played into the decision to not have him play special teams because maybe you don't want to throw a guy out there that's coming off of a concussion or want to try to avoid that uh, if possible just because of the violence of playing special teams. But um, yeah, you know, so at the end of the day, I, I, I just, you know, I hope I hope for the best for him. I uh, hope that he's able to uh, find a decent landing spot here to uh, kind of recuperate some value before he hits the open market again um in march because like you know he's he's kind of finding himself in a weird spot right now where he did put some good stuff on tape last year but hasn't really played this year he's been dealing with some injuries and if he doesn't really get much of a chance to play he's going to be one of those guys that ends up like not signing until you know late in the process and not really signing for anything that is going to guarantee him anything so um it's kind of crazy because at the start this year he signed like a it was like a, a, a one year over $3.5 million deal. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. the kind of prove it contract. Like he'll come in, he'll be the starter at left corner. He'll, he'll build upon his impressive back half of the 2021 season. And he'll earn a slightly longer term payday at 26 years old. You know, he'll earn like that, that big payday that he's looking for here or perhaps more likely elsewhere. And instead, you know, <laughs> Mike Jackson's come in. <laughs> And we, I mean, again, he, he flashed in the preseason. He had some impressive uh, hits and tackles. He was also very kind of twitchy, planting and driving mm-hmm. on it. Former fifth-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys in uh, 2019. And the 25-year-old, turns 26 in January, has locked down the left side for Seattle and built uh, game upon game and proved, right? And, and now he's up to speed and he looks great and he's, seize that opportunity and now he looks like the the dude who you know are we going to be thinking mike jackson's the starter next year at left corner and then they get another guy like uh, right. it seems that they're pretty happy unless it's like a crazy amount of uh, ball production interception totals uh it seems like they're kind of happy to let guys walk but jackson for comparison he's his cap number is eight hundred twenty five thousand dollars zero point four percent of the cap well and maybe trey brown is the guy that pushes him Right, because I think he's he's he'll be in a better position to compete for that spot next year, uh, heading into uh, heading into camp and everything. Because um, right now, you know, Patella tendon. We've talked about this on on the last few of these uh, roundups that we've done, uh, just about Brown's situation. That you know, it's it's a difficult injury to come from. A lot of guys are just not the same player when they come back from it. So you want to take time with that. But I think, yeah, that sets up an interesting. Uh, battle there between the uh, between Brown and, and Jackson, and maybe you know they throw someone else into that competition as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm very interested to see how soon they make that competition happen because mm-hmm. I expect Brown. You know they'll work him in on special teams first. Carol mentioned on Monday how the trainers are sort of managing his reps. He'd practiced with the team last week, but at full speed, but limited amount of reps, probably a very small amount. And they'll slowly increase that load and see if he can handle it. And then he'll be thrown in. So probably not this week, but next week we might see him on special teams. Hopefully everything goes well there, which is super exciting. And then, like you say, it's obvious that, you know, he'll, you know, next season, right, he'd be competing with Jackson if Jackson does resign with the Seahawks, which why wouldn't you, right? Um, yeah. 
they gave you the op is the first place you've landed and 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 worked things out but do we see the competition sooner so something to keep track of something that is undoubtedly good but another explanation for why jones was released yeah um so i was trying to see if there's maybe a situation where he's oh he's an rfa so yeah he's like all but locked in to come back there you go yeah um idiot matthew no, you're not an idiot. Don't be so hard on yourself, buddy. Wow, that's so good. Thanks. That worked yeah. exactly as intended. I got pity. Um, there you go. There you go. So the the other big news tie of Will Disley was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, which you might be like, oh, Will, Will Disley play special teams? Well, he did against the Giants, right? He mm. uh, knocked the, the first uh, fumble loose on the punt coverage uh, mm. from Richie James. And then James's unfortunate day continued where Travis Homer knocked the ball loose and Disley recovered the ball. So two big uh, punt coverage plays from Disley. He doesn't usually play on that spot, but he stepped up in a time where the Seahawks needed people to step up because they had some injuries to otherwise special teams contributors like your Nick Ballor, right? Mm-hmm. And look at him getting national recognition, which is so cool because he's been a, he's been a really solid tight end for Seattle and it's early, but that contract where people were like uh kind of freaking out that the seals signs Disney to a three-year 24 million dollar deal mm-hmm. but now it's looking right yeah it's looking uh it's looking pretty good he's been great this year and you know that contract's gonna look even better and better just with inflation like naturally that's you know the the bigger the uh cap increases the the better that all these deals are going to look um but yeah so you know this is what the fourth win out of five that they've had an nfc player of the week in some category that's You're right because it was it was nuosu week one yep it was gina week was, four then it was woolen at some then was, point then it was woolen, woolen, uh, woolen against the cardinals woolen hasn't Wood- had two no, I didn't think. I don't okay. think they had one against the uh, Chargers. I, I was thinking the 49ers Walker... maybe Woolen's kick block. Mm. Anyway, Ty, I believe you. It was the fifth, and that's all that matters right now. There, there, there you go. There you go. But yeah, so uh, you know, Disley's doing a little bit of everything, and Pete was talking about how you know big it was for him to come in with with Bloor being concussed and everything, and so. Um, you know, this special teams unit right now is playing some really great ball. Larry Izzo's got his guys going, and they, uh, they've they been a big part of what the Seahawks have been doing, kind of an underrated part of what they've been doing. And now the return of Travis Homer as well. Obviously, you know, Ari made such a big impact in that game on Sunday. Um, so now that they're getting a little bit healthier, and once they get Bloor back into the mix, like this, uh, the special teams unit is going to be really, really something to watch. Very exciting. And as, as pointed out by Wolfpack in, in the comments, you're right, Wolfpack. Uh, Disley did recover yeah. from... Uh, he had back-to-back brutal injuries, didn't he, to his knee? But, he, um, had a, he had a patella tendon in Arizona and then an Achilles in Cleveland. Year, oh, Achilles, right. So yeah. not the knee. But, yeah. Uh, and Yeah, and Disley has actually spoke to... He, he mentioned uh, a while ago, I think it was in the off-season, about how he'd spoke to Trey Brown about that recovery process and sort of given him, given him some support. Now, yeah, he did recover, but also he looks a lot slower. So hopefully 
where Trey Brown is um a bit more explosive given his trademarks are burst and movement skills are far more important at the cornerback position than pretty much any position. So anyway. Now there I, now there's some there's sometimes there's sometimes when Uncle Will gets on his horse though. I don't know. There, there's sometimes when I'm watching it on TV, I'm like, he looks a lot faster than he should right now. But then there's times that he looks really, really slow. He doesn't look like the guy I that feel we saw like, week one uh, in Denver in 2018. I feel like 89 is a much sleeker, faster number than 88. Mm, okay. Perhaps. Um, 88 so wide, you know. True. Like two, isn't 88 two fat ladies in bingo? Is that correct? I, that I've, wouldn't make that. That I, might be sixty-six. I've, oh, I've never. Oh, I think, I've, oh. What, what you don't you do bingo? I, every, I mean, like so I've gone to the bingo. England, everyone in England on a on a Saturday night gets lively in town. Everyone's at the mm-hmm. bingo hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even you? Even you? That's your spot. Everyone. 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 Uh, literally. Look, I everyone. don't think you understand what everyone means. Oh, it means everyone. Wow. Even yeah. the royal family. They're at the bingo. Well, well, there's been some changes. Right. The old right. Shuffle. Yeah, they, they, they might not be in the best of mood to uh, mm-hmm. go to the bingo right now. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Right. Anyhow, so, Ty, the, the trade deadline happened, and mm. the Seahawks... They acquired a wide receiver. Oh Remember? yeah, they actually did. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they did. They signed Laquan Treadwell to the practice squad. Released mm-hmm. JJ R. Thaga. Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I, I said the Treadwell move sounded a bit like uh, the Whiteside addition, and then the the fact they've released R. Thaga Whiteside uh, in place of Treadwell kind of reflects that Treadwell former. First round pick, uh, yep, and of the, former teammate of, the Vikings. of DK Metcalf, kind of a one of one of the more infamous busts, if you want to give him that label. But you know, why not? First round picks happen for a reason, and Seattle, you know, you, you know the spiel. But Seattle's culture is different, and maybe a bit of love, a bit of stuff can harness his talent. Also, Seattle with the DK Metcalf deal going on still with the uh, partially torn uh, patella tendon, another patella tendon, and the uh, superimposed tendinopathy. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, it, it suits them, I think, to get, you know, cycle through some big receiver options just in case. And so Treadwell, six foot one, not six foot four, like Arthega Whiteside, but he's still in that mold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had a decent-ish year last year with Jacksonville. 33 catches on 51 targets, uh, 434 yards, one touchdown. Um, you know, he can play a little bit. He can play a little bit. So, so it's basically Elijah Moore tie. Ba- basically, it's basically Odell Beckham Jr. There's no need to go down that route. You have Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell. Well, that is a difficult name to say. Little known fact about Laquan Treadwell is he went to Ole Miss, like DK Metcalf. And like Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. So yeah. again, wh- where do the similarities stop? I mean, they basically got AJ Brown yeah. on the practice squad. Perfect. G- John Schneider did it again, guys. Chills. Chills. But, um, he did it again. The Seahawks standing put at the, the trade deadline, not making any trades. Uh, 
probably not a surprise really given you know the Gucci yeah. options were probably going to cost too much well did you see some of the prices of some yes. of these deals like ugh. All right. uh, and Schneider... what, what, do you, what do you think that says to you does that say more that they don't necessarily like believe in their or like they they understand what their ceiling is and they don't want to invest too much into this team Mm. or is it just as simple as like those prices are just way too much like no way i think it's as simple as just not not good value and i think the well what we view as slightly inflated value i think is reflective of there's a lot of middling teams so there's teams who are kind of thinking we can push ourselves over the edge here. Um, so there's a lot more buyers, right? Supply and demand, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Carol spoke about um, them, their activity. He said, we're in conversation with a lot of stuff. We were talking about a lot of stuff. <laughs> Nothing worked out, obviously. Yeah, we were going like always just the way uh, we do it. Yeah, John yeah. was really active and burning the phones up to know what was available and who was out there and all that kind of stuff but nothing fit. And then he said the injured player is coming back, player factor on the trade deadline. So, mm-hmm. you know, you trade Brown, your um, uh, Daryl Johnson, who's coming back, who, who I, mm-hmm. we know they're positive about, Collier com- coming back now, being being back. Homer. And I'm missing someone. Uh, Homer, Collier, Brown, Johnson. Another edge, maybe. Tyreek Smith potentially. Mm. I don't know. And, this is bad yeah, on us. It's like how much are you actually upgrading a team in this circumstance? Is it worth doing? And with the yeah. value, that's why they stayed out. Well, yeah. I mean, like when you hear things about like Panthers want two first rounds for uh, Brian Burns, when you see that uh, the Dolphins had to give up a first for one year Bradley Chubb, like. You know, you're not going to go to the big, uh, to the uh, high end of the market, but even some of the, you know, the smaller ish deals, like a second rounder for Chase Claypool, like current, like present day Chase Claypool, <laughs> Chase Claypool is like, that's ridiculous. So modern day, modern day. Um, w- was there a, a trade that maybe surprised you or uh, a trade maybe that you were like, the Seahawks should have done that or at least considered that? No. No. I in mean, terms Rokon of the surprise, Rokon Smith was cool, but um, it did, yeah. that's a luxury that you can't really afford in the cap, and also how many picks you you can't do it. So, and then you gotta you gotta extend him and all yeah, that you stuff. Can't do yeah, that. yeah, yeah, like a second and five, like fine, you know. But again, we've talked about the usage of the linebackers, all that stuff. We don't need to. Uh, go down that rabbit hole again, Maddie. Um, but uh, in terms of like a surprising move, I mean, I guess like the Lions trading TJ Hawkinson in division is weird, yeah. Right. Like, with all these things, I'm like, why not pay your good players? Like, yeah. you, you can't constantly be in rebuild, yeah. Like, I don't understand that at all. That was, I mean, maybe, maybe he just said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna resign here. I guess, but I mean, like, I, I think they had him under club control for another year, right? I don't yeah, think he's a real I don't think odds, he's a free agent. Real, right real odds. Like, they Maybe. got pretty good assets back. 
Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah. he's under he's yeah on. he's under team control for for next year as well. That's just that's yeah. kind of weird. Uh, yeah. And we'll talk about Chubb. We'll talk about Chubb in a bit. That's a, in the Denver update weekly segment. Tease. Yeah, yeah. Also, obligatory tape review tomorrow. Mention. Yeah. Oh, oh. While we're doing all this, follow yeah. the podcast at Seattle Overload. Mm. Follow Ty at Den. Mm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> follow me at Matty F Brown. And please like the video if you're watching live, comment. And if you're listening, please subscribe, five star reviews. Right, Ty. So, Gino Smith, <laughs> as as ever, we quote Pro Football Focus when it confirms our priors or, or mm-hmm. is nice. Yep. He has a 95.7 PFF passing grade on 20 plus yard passes, which leads the NFL, Ty. Mm. How yeah, about uh, that? The. <laughs> How about that? Indeed, Matthew. Uh, I'm not the biggest PFF guy. I'll, I'll say that, Maddie. I, I, I don't think you are either. But uh, like you said, when they say something nice about the Seahawks, we uh, we will listen. We will uh, be open to discussing it. Um, yeah, I mean, Gino's the most efficient quarterback in, in the NFL right now. I mean, pretty much across the board, whatever statistic you want to look at, that's what he's been. So it makes sense. And, you know, we're seeing them push the ball down the field a lot more as of late. And it's working. And it's working. So, you know, I'm interested to hear, like, especially in this Giants game, because Pete mentioned after the Giants game, and I assume you've, you've watched at least a little bit of the, the tape so far, um, you know, Pete mentioned that, Gino could have easily had four or five touchdowns in this game. And and you know what? Mm-hmm. I said that in our post-game show. Mm. So did that show so up? Me and Pete are the same tape. person. Um, I should be head coach of the Seahawks. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Ty, he could he definitely could have. Yeah. So on top of that, what are you seeing over the last few weeks uh with the um downfield passing uh with Gino? Is it as efficient as PFF says? Yeah, it is. And it could be more efficient. And I think they're probably due a game, maybe Arizona rematch where they're a bit more prepared, where Mm. they do go off again, you know, but they're supported by the defense. Um, Obviously, the defense playing better football means you are less likely to have shootout games because the offense is less pressed into, we need to really score here because the defense is dreadful we need to build up a lead you know mm-hmm. but but still uh interesting as well pete on uh, seattle sports brock and sulk in his in his show that he does every monday uh, a, a real favorite listen of mine he mentioned how he that he sort of said him putting his arm around the shoulder of gino and bigging him up since he got there he feels was important and that uh, perhaps Gino is in, uh, misinterpreted in past stops because he's hard-headed and he thinks tough in in like a good sense like he's a competitor but but perhaps people misinterpreted that I'd say for a for former second round pick even for, with that kind of stuff to not want to understand that kind of player and not not give him loads of sec like a proper second chance a proper shot at it is a bit weird it's a bit suspicious and you know how the NFL 
can sometimes work, it's hard not to think about uh, racism. It really mm. is because uh, there, yeah. there's no there's no real explanation. Um, anyway, a lot of people looking pretty silly right now. Yes, indeed. And uh, but interesting in that same interview, Pete mentioned that uh, Drew, mm. Drew, Lord, Drew, maybe Drew, Drew has re- that the- Drew. <laughs> The return he, of Drew. <laughs> he said maybe Drew has that kind of support, and when his time comes, I think we'll see it as in the effect of that. So Drew's Ooh. time will come, guys. Oh, um, you you heard it here. Pete Carroll said that Drew Locke is the starting quarterback of the 2023 Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Gina mm. <laughs> How funny would it be? How old is Drew Locke right now? So Drew Locke is 25. He's 25. So Gino quarterbacks the Seahawks for seven more years, six more years. Uh, And then the forgotten about Drew Locke, who has studied under Gino's uh, superb football knowledge and been bigged up by Pete Carroll. He takes over the offense and he does a (laughs) he does a Gino. He does a Gino. Drew descends from the heavens and does a Gino Drew for the Seahawks. <laughs> and yeah, Drew VP. <laughs> MV Drew. Uh, <laughs> damn. I, I can't wait for the day that I buy a, a Drew Lock jersey after uh, buying the Gino jersey. There, but there is something to be said, Ty, for the for the you know nurturing style of Pete, along with you know. Waldron's obviously doing a great job as an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. working with Gino and calling, you know, unleashing him on the league. Yeah. Is Shane Waldron going to be a head coach next year, the way that they're trending right now? I mean, unless he's just r- really dorky, then. <laughs> but heck, that, that can work. <laughs> really? What? <laughs> dorky, you know. Do- oh, dorky. Okay. Okay. What okay. do you think I said? I, I was like Docky. I was like, what the hell is Docky? <laughs> Docky. He wears Dockers Do- to his interview. He's Docky. He he looks like he's a uh, a sailor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, both no, shoes, uh, both shoes and all. Yeah, it, but yep. heck, Dork Dork can work. Like, look at you know Mike McDaniel's. Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. is not your conventional style head coach, and that's working pretty good. Uh, Minus the you know. But Waldron's what I'm saying, right? And all that, yeah. True, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I <laughs> yeah. digress. Um, but to, the the reason I say that is Waldron in his press conferences doesn't give anything, right? And he doesn't come across yeah. as the most enigmatic dude. That being said, it doesn't matter, and he's just a professional at press conferences. I'm sure he's much more, uh, what what do you call it? Enthusiastic, perhaps. Uh, charming even mm. when it's when it's not a press conference setting but also press conferences are weird like you've got all these mics in your face you're not going to be a natural self well, i wouldn't be so right anyway. uh yeah i mean the league at least some of the league is going to look at it as he fixed geno smith which okay i mean he Two rookie tackles with that. He, he does yeah. he does Two rookie tackles, and he does. He is noticeably like calling stuff to protect them. Like he's not yeah. exposing them to loads of true dropbacks. He's chipping in pass pro. You know, he's he's using uh, rollouts and boots to to you know protect them from stuff. He's running the ball in certain certain instances. Like he's doing good sh- stuff there. Yeah. 
nice save um and you know they've been one of the most efficient offenses overall in all of football i mean that's Mm. going to catch anyone's attention so i'd be i mean unless they just completely fall off in the second half which knock on wood um was that wood that was wood that is nice when i knock on wood i'm not knocking on wood so well then it's not working maddie uh but yeah i think he's probably gonna end up getting a head coaching job plus he's a mcveigh guy right he's the mcveigh guy we have to get the mcveigh guy and he looks like a good mcveigh guy so you should probably hire him uh i saw someone saying what if um what if they asked pete to retire it was eric eager he he was he's saying what if they asked pete to retire and walden to be head coach yeah, they're gonna ask Pete to retire after this year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But anyway, by the way, Pete, um, Pete Carroll is coach of the year. Just let's get that like clear. Pete Carroll is he, coach of the year. He should. He should be. But that that's yeah. just a weird award as well. Uh, anyway. It is. It is. I mean, John Schneider never won executive of the year. So no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. So what I found cool, Ty, was. Mm-hmm. Seattle in 2022 has forced 15 fumbles. And in all of 2021, they only forced nine. And so Brock Heward asked Pete Carroll about what the difference was. And Carroll said that for the last four to five or so years, they talked about taking shots when they were tackling and going for like punch the ball out scenarios. But that was sort of overtaking the actual tackle and so it was pretty obvious and you were missing your tackle but now this year they've adjusted to punch tackles with a sort of different emphasis which hurt described wednesday couldn't hurt the defense coordinator as like a wrap but you punch as you wrap such as what we've seen with kobe bryant's ability and it's worked right like the results are there now turnovers are slightly random but still that's very very cool and this kind of New style of rap and punch, and Hurt also mentioned if you're the second guy coming into the pile, uh, rather than trying to go for the kill shot or push the pile, go for the punch. That Those two elements, excellent stuff. Yeah, and we saw that uh, late in garbage time on uh, on Sunday against the Giants. Tariq, Tariq didn't make a great uh, tackle attempt there, but he was basically doing that. If you want to see an example of that, you can see it there as well. Uh, but you can also look at all of Kobe Bryant's plays as well. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's working. You know, the, the big thing for this defense is it needed to generate more turnovers somehow because they weren't getting the picks and they weren't really getting the fumbles, as you uh, noted there, um, with just nine last year. How many of uh, the 15 uh, have they recovered? Do you know? No, but no. you know what, Ty? There's this website called mm-hmm. Pro Football, Football Reference. Reference. Yeah, and it's on, a pretty on Pro handy Football tool. Reference, you, it is pretty pretty handy. Mm-hmm. And on there, you can well, the one problem I f- find, but I am a bit stupid, mm. is it's not the most friendly interface, is it? I mean, it's not bad. It, it's just it's, a bit. It gets a little funky. confusing. It you gets can get a lost little... in a wormhole. Like right now, I'm looking at quarterback knockdown percentage. Like, ooh, but I really mm. want to find fumble recoveries. Fumble recoveries. Where would they be? Let's look this up live on the show. 
because this yes. is great radio. I know everyone is enjoying listening to this. Sponsored right by. Okay, here we go. You ready? Well, you ready? I'm so ready. ready. So they have forced fumbles. They've recovered twelve. There right. we go. That's there a really go. nice percentage. It's a really nice that, percentage. That is, I, it's so nice. I can't work out that percentage because I'm bad at math. Uh, is twelve out of fifteen? Uh, it is eighty percent. Eighty percent. There we go. I totally it's did that without googling. Yeah. Whoa, nice. whoa, nice, nice, sexy little rounded number. Yes. Of Perfect. course, it's eighty percent. Marvelous. Anyway, so that that has been cool. Uh, now. The Seahawks defense tie, if we're staying mm. on the defensive theme, theme, speak properly. I mean, this is Seattle over. This is Seattle overload, after all. So. It is. It is. Uh, per football outsiders uh, who have their DVOA metric, which obviously the Seahawks have fabulous history with. Maddie, what is DVOA? <laughs> uh, you can visit the full explanation at footballoutsiders.com. Yes. But basically, Ty, DVOA mm. is basically adjusting performance for opponent. Mm. Mm. So it is so, a percentage. So basically, if you play well against good teams, you do better in DVOA. Whereas yes. against bad teams... Not as good. The womp womps. The womp womps, yes. Okay, so we got the hashtag since week five numbers here. Tell me how dope the Seahawks defense has been since week five. Hashtag since week five. They have been minus 22.4%. What does that mean? Well, it's second best in the NFL. And if you remember Seahawks week five, their actual game, that was at, at the Saints, which wasn't a good game at all. So if you did this week six, week seven, week eight, they'd 100% be first. Um, mm. The fact they're second, even with that Saints game, where there were the shoots of progress, but they still had some real bad moments, right? It wasn't Lions bad, but it was still bad. Um, it was a Taysom Hill freak game, but also they hadn't refined themselves. But... Week six, where you know they, they really embrace the technique stuff, which I want to talk about in a second. The Arizona game. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's really exciting. And then <laughs> weeks one to four, so the opening when uh, which Carol's termed rope dope, seventeen point three percent thirty first in the NFL, which I think everyone like any any metric had them like second worst in the league uh, just in front okay. of the Lions, right? It, it is weird that they listed that tweet for weeks one through four and then weeks five through eight. Why wouldn't you just do weeks one through five and then weeks six through eight? Because like that's when the change happened. That like, because they would, I would I assume that they would, they would still be uh, fours, don't they? I guess if they want to be on. You know, particular like that. I mean, they, they are mathematicians, Ty. That know. is true. That is yeah. true. They they would know that twelve out of fifteen is eighty percent right off the top of their head, and not need Google to figure that out. Indeed. So, Indeed. Carol mentioned the importance of the twelves again to Seattle sports, and that isn't like a joke. Like, mm -hmm. 
Uh, I've said this before, but the noise of a home crowd means that offenses have to go silent count, which means Seattle can jump the snap uh, because they know when it's happening. It also means they can identify what side the pass protection is sliding to, so they know what side they have one-on-ones in pass rush situations, and so they know where what side to run uh, games to separate against man pass protection. So it's very useful, and, and Carol's mm-hmm. right in that. Now... They've talked about a a big reason why the DVOA, the pass rush numbers, everything is improving, right? Is because they're stopping the run. Because when you stop the run, you you eventually force a team to get one-dimensional and pass the football if your offense is also, which it is with Gino, living up to their end of the bargain. And so you get uh, that fourth quarter against the Giants where Daniel Jones is suddenly forced to actually be a quarterback. (laughs) And you get, you know, the Cardinals game. And hopefully we get that again, right? Mm-hmm. And you get these one-dimensional situations. And this week, the, the the Seahawks coaches said the quiet part out loud, which we said early on, we've said on a lot of overloads, but basically Seattle is doing more bare fronts on early downs, less even fronts, right? So less uh, 425 or 245 appearance, more bare front so five guys down at the line of scrimmage covering the guard the center the guard and then the two edges and carol said on monday that he's really fired up about the run defense improvement but the the key part of all of this was him saying we have benefited from our from the past couple of years with the way we do things now and that which we did in the last couple of years. And there's a little bit more connection than that you might see, but obviously we saw it. Um, (laughs) That he thinks it's paid off, um, and they learned our guys in the year's experience in the past, and they've now deployed them a little bit more specifically to all of that stuff. So that's basically saying they've gone back to the techniques that they were using a bit more often in the in the past two years and then her on wednesday says um all the techniques that we've learned in the previous years are the same which you know we've been saying but the difference is this year and again we've said this on past overloads but their power stepping more they're allowing them to play more downhill less sort of one and a half gapping mirror stepping more passive though they still do that they're doing way less of that um because of how they've sort of built up their bare fronts um and the big thing he said for me was, and um, we were because we were playing more split safeties and things of that nature. It required them, the defensive line, to do more often things that maybe they weren't most comfortable doing. And then, so obviously, it's just working our way around that and saying, okay, if we're going to adjust in this facet, then we have to adjust somewhere else so we don't get hurt. But it, so. And then he said, it all went hand in hand with going, just put your players in the best position to play and hear them out. So when he says about the split safeties, again, they're still doing split safety stuff, but they're doing it from bare front looks. Now they were doing bare front looks and split safety stuff, but they were doing much more mirror stepping, which they weren't very good at. And then they were also doing split safety stuff with the even fronts where they didn't have the dudes to set the edge and they also were struggling the two defensive tackles playing heavy techniques again mirror stepping stuff they were struggling uh-huh. with that as well and 
when he says we're going to adjust in this facet, so then we have to adjust somewhere else so we don't get hurt, I imagine that saying about moving to bare fronts and then uh, changing the technique up a bit. So basically what he was saying was, actually, KNJ was coaching his MF socks off. Ken Norton Jr. has no socks, yes. Yeah, they yeah, are he, off. They're, they're well, on the floor. They are all the way across the room on the other side of the room do you do you a bit of a bit of a personal question here ty oh okay do you uh wear socks in bed no no i'm not a psychopath (laughs) i get i i get told off for um take taking my socks off in bed like 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 leaving them in the bed oh wait you leave (laughs) them in the bed I, what if, I, I'm tired, Ty. <laughs> just throw them on the floor. You got a hamper, right? You got a clothes hamper, like nearby. Well, you right? have the clothes hamper right next to the bed, huh? I mean, it's like, I mean, can't you like shoot it like a like a basketball shoot or it? something? Yeah, shoot it like a basketball. Into, you, know, you think like... I play basketball in Britain? We don't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then then kick it over there. Like, That's not like true. We do we do play basketball, and it should receive more funding because it's very popular. But it doesn't receive funding because more traditional upper class white sports um, mm. get the funding. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um. <laughs> so let let's let's U turn here back to the Seahawks defense. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about how this is kind of helping them. Uh, or helping specific players like Brian Monet, who is just wrecking games right now. Uh, as Griff tweeted today, he Brian Monet cannot be killed at the moment uh, with them lining him up mm-hmm. at zero tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is playing ridiculous right now. I want to ask you, though, how is because you talked about stopping the run and how much they've improved there over the last few weeks. How much has the uh, return of Bruce Irvin helped with that? Well, that's crazy because, like, setting the edge is this ex- experience of like, okay, you want to stay outside and and knock the guy back and and be that outside presence to really show up with depth and and force the runner to turn upfield to your inside and really set the edge, right? Set the edge of the defense, but. If you can dip inside and take an inside move on the guy blocking you and then still get into the backfield and make the tackle or get outside, but you've really penetrated with outside depth, you can take your shot, you know, then that's really powerful and effective. And so what we saw last week was Irvin timing those up beautifully. Like he wasn't running himself out the play. He was taking his shot and he was he was hitting it, right? He was making it right. Like back in the day, you you like your Cliff Avils, your Michael Bennett's. Sometimes they'd be tasked with setting the edge, but they'd take their inside shot, and the linebacker behind them would play off them, and it would it wouldn't be a called game or stunt or anything. They'd just take their shot, and the guy behind would be like, "Okay, he's taking his shot now. I'll play off this." And often the, them taking their shot, they'd get the tackle for loss. It's all about feel, understanding. And Irvin obviously has that experience in this system, uh, just very, very experienced with setting an edge. Like, as I said, I watched a 
and Aaron Curry, who's the assistant uh, coach of the Seahawks, he coaches the outside linebackers. He coaches them how to set the edge. But I watched the clinic he did. I think it was in the 2020 offseason because obviously Irvin was with the team in 2018, but unfortunately got hurt. I think it was in the 2020 offseason with because uh, Curry only started coaching the Seahawks in 2019, 20. I can't remember. Anyway, Curry did a clinic mm. on edge setting. Ir- Irvin, Irvin, Irvin was with the team in, in 2020 and he got hurt, not 2018, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I thought that. So. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Car- I, Curry's <laughs> clinic, uh, he did a clinic on edge setting and like, how to coach players to set the edge from that wide nine crash alignment that the Seahawks use in bare fronts, for instance. And so many of the clips were Bruce Irvin doing it for the Bears. Mm. The Bears, like this is fairly recent. So Irvin's been good at it and he's still good at it. And it's awesome. And he's even contributing uh, as a pass rusher, um, getting chipped in pass protection. Yeah, he was getting so, chipped. <laughs> he was getting chipped late in that game. What the hell? Like what? Like... <laughs> not even not even like three weeks off the street, you know? Like this is nuts. Um, and 35 and they, and they... years old. And they haven't signed him to the active roster yet, right? I didn't miss that, correct? No, and he's been activated twice, so, so they need they to. They have to. Yeah. Which they will because, well, one, he's playing really well. Two, uh, Bam Johnson, it doesn't sound like he'll be back this week. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He, and he's I mean, like, like a similar kind of idea. But I mean, like, why move off of Bruce at this point? No, you he's shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't. Yeah, he's like, he looks like he can still play right now. Like, he's doing this kind of like, I know he's kind of looking at this as like a one last ride type of thing, but he's legit still. Like, Indeed. he's helping. Indeed. Shelby so, Harris is also really helping right now. He is. And and it was so cool. He said um, he's the his high school leader in block shots for basketball. Now, that does kind of depend on what high school he played for, right? Because, like, you yes. could go to a high school where they're all, like, five foot two, and then you would yeah. be at Shelby Harris's height, <laughs> the leader in block shots. But um, mm. kind of makes sense with how effective he's been at tipping the football. Yeah, he's been uh, really, really good at that. I mean, the the hustle uh, play on, on Daniel Jones on the third down as well was fantastic. He's been uh, quietly... Uh, having a great uh, season for this team. Um, yes. And he's also been kind of a, a someone that's uh, whose play has been elevated over the last couple couple weeks with the with the bear friends and everything as well. So that's um, yeah. I mean the the Shelby Harris trade, right? It's the Shelby Harris trade. It's not it the Russell Wilson the, trade. The major player in that. Um, he had uh, two passes deflected against the Chargers, which is all he's got on the season per Pro Football Reference. But he. Carol mentioned that he's really aware of the quarterback when he's rushing, which not all guys are. And so he's very good mm-hmm. at getting his hands up. There has been a lot more plays than just the two pass deflections where he has like good timing and it's, you know, shrunk a passing window. It's made it more difficult. And, you know, against the smaller guys like Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray this week and, and in the past encounter this season, that kind of shrinking of the interior with with leaping is is valuable because it they just can't see when you jump up like that and you time it well, which Harris does. Ty, mm, me is it is it time for our weekly Denver Broncos updates? I think it is, Maddie. 
Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I didn't mention it for no reason. Excellent. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so the Denver Broncos. Well, actually, won, right? I'm I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm All just right, joking. Okay. yeah yeah that was yeah a they they, cool. they did yeah yeah. He got me owned owned. Um, <laughs> I was so epic. Um, the the Broncos <laughs> did win. They did by four. Twenty-one seventeen in in in, your, in my neck of the woods. Your neck of the woods. Yep, you were there. London you, town. you were right there. You were right there. I wasn't of there. I wasn't uh, there. I was you coaching. There? I was coaching football. I thought you would have been like full on, you know, R.I.P. Bozo. You know, I thought that was going to be you because obviously you're very. That would be very toxic and obnoxious. <laughs> and as we know, you are both. True uh so i didn't actually get to watch my much of this game because i was coaching football i just tuned in for the rust two minute drill where he can throw a deep ball like he he looked it was a really good deep ball why the heck the jacksonville defense comes out and is like yeah you know what to open this two minute drill we're gonna give you obvious middle field close obvious one-on-one -on -one outside go on russ hit it and Russ is like, yeah, I'll fine, I'll fine, I'll hit it then. But, was Shaquille Griffin hurt too? By the way, they had Trey Herndon on uh, KJ oh, Hamler. Who, oh, yeah, yeah, it was Trey Herndon. Oh, isn't he a safety? No, he's a corner, but he's oh, he just not. He's like but he, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like not the guy you put on KJ Hamler. Yeah, so in that was situation. That was bad, and also like I, I did happen to see like uh, I think the drive before actually, and they spun into cover two and like. There was there was trouble in Russ, like as it does. Um, so I don't know what they're doing, but like good for Russ, good win, and uh, and you know they they moved at that point uh to three and five on the season. Though by all accounts, like there was still a lot of issues. Like they had delay of game on the opening kickoff. <laughs> um, yeah, there there was some there Russ, was some really uh. Still 18 for 30 with one interception, only one touchdown. A mm. lot more gun running, so maybe they're figuring out the kind of balance for Russ. But yeah, this, they, it seems like they went a while without getting a first down, bad third down conversions. Like They're by no means fixed, and the Jags are a really bad team. They're 2-6 and six now, so... Yeah, yeah, the Jaguars are awful. Um Trevor Lawrence is not great right now. So uh and that but, Broncos defense was is still, you know, is really good, right? Yeah, well that, well, that Broncos maybe defense, now not but, as much. Right, right. Because <laughs> that, that Broncos defense is 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 amazing, right? Like, you know, three and yeah. five, like maybe they start Russ gets a bit more middle field close looks. He his arm looks good again, like he can throw the deep ball in his incredible style against uh, single high stuff, especially it's it's coming together. They, they're going to run the ball a bit more to help Russ out. It's going to mm -hmm. be good. And then they trade Bradley Chubb. Yeah, which wasn't the report. <laughs> like if they lose the game, they're going to trade Bar Bradley Chubb. But if they win the game, they're not. And so, which I think that's silly to to let a player's future hang in the balance of one game. Well, especially now in an expanded uh, expanded schedule, but. Pat, you know the uh pattern the the broncos general manager said he'd have made the trade even if they were five and three i yeah i don't i don't know about that i, I mean getting I, a first round pick for a guy who was probably going to leave in free agency because they're 
bit cap restricted now. Like, yeah, I mean, I that is good, but also I. Don't but if you, you, you no, that's that's, that's that's as that's, that's cope. That's as the kids say, cap. Um, Cappy cope. Yeah. Cap. Yeah, because the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're five and three, it doesn't matter if the guy's about to be a free agent. That first round pick isn't going to help you win a Super Bowl. Let's this go year. win a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so that's silly. Uh, that's a s- completely silly thing to say. Uh, but you know they um, they trade Chubb and like yeah, us on the outside will get that, but Chubb's former teammates are not going to understand that. I'm no, yes, yeah, tough. And and Especially like the defense after, like, was playing at like an elite level, and Ever- oh, they're Evero, the best defense in the in the league. <laughs> Evero like, had them like with consistent buy-in, despite and like real, real tough play, despite like a lot going on. Right, like they were, they were, yeah. they had nothing going for them uh, from the other side of the ball, or even special teams at times. Um, and so that kind of move is like, uh, are we what, are we serious now? Like we were doing really well, and you've just uh but then the broncos i guess they tried to alleviate that a bit by going and getting um jacob martin how he how has he been this year because he had a pretty I no idea but i i always had a soft spot for him yeah yeah i like jacob martin too so um, i mean they, like, they maybe gave that up helps. a um they they gave up a fourth round pick in 2024 in exchange for uh, a fifth round pick in 2024 so basically nothing which a, i mean a I one round trade i guess that's the trade that done if you're seattle yeah yeah i guess so um yeah that's that's uh i don't know i i, I don't really get it because i again i just i think that you're going to rub that defense really the the wrong way and you're not cooked yet like you can turn things around still if you're denver um you know, it's yeah, you're three and five, but again, you know, 17 game season now, like you have time, you have time to turn things around. And it seems like things are kind of maybe turning around, or at least like that's that's a game that you have, even though that it's against a bad opponent and you only won by four. That's a game that you still have and, and that boosts morale a little bit. Um, but now I feel like you completely, you know, did away with any good that you did on Sunday with trading Chubb. And now, you know, that defense is going to be looking at you like, Oh, so you just, you don't believe in us then. Mm. Right. Like, and so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that defense plays next few weeks after this. Yeah. Um, Well, of course they have a bye week uh, after their London experience. mm -hmm. They didn't do what the saints did where they declined it. Uh, and then they play at the tight the five and two Titans, and then they host the two and five Raiders. So we can keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. And then they they so wait is that Raiders game the week before they uh, before the Seahawks play the Raiders? I feel like the Seahawks have had a couple of back to backs with the Broncos. I, this, the this Seahawks play the Raiders this year. Are you serious? Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is the week before. You're right. Yeah, yeah, they play them. Uh, what coming out of the bye week? I think, right? Damn, that game looked so difficult, and now doesn't look difficult. Part no, maybe they more look, difficult. They look really not good. They, dude, I was watching that game that they had with the Saints uh, this past week. Their mm. offense didn't get the ball past the fifty until like the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I I was also I had a um fantasy football related interest in that Devontae Adams same, and uh, Yeah, same, same, same. And it yep. didn't go very well. But yeah, anyway. so I, I traded Jonathan Taylor because I'm stacked at running back for Devontae. Mm. And mm. Devontae gives me one point, two points in mm. my first game. Yeah. Them, he's so now yes. ill, I think. Hopefully he gets better soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so lastly. Yeah. Uh, speaking about other teams that Seahawks mm-hmm. fans would have some sort of interest in, uh, the Rams, who are not playing particularly well right now, uh, dealing with some injuries, of course, dealing with some shoddy uh, offensive line play, dealing with a quarterback who seems to have uh, to be nice about it, regressed a little bit. Uh, they're they're three and four. They're three and four. They're not cooked by any stretch of the imagination, but they're they're off to a, a disappointing start, I would say, after you know winning a Super Bowl. Um, was it Dove? Yeah, it was Dove Kleiman here that uh, tweeted: Rams coach Sean McVay's future with the team is tied to the core group of Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey, and in all likelihood, once that group leaves, McVeigh will retire, according to Albert Breer. Now, Maddie, correct me if I'm wrong. Sean McVeigh is 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hang on. I, I I don't know that off the top of my head. Let me let me ask Wikipedia that he he is um born in Dayton, Ohio. Mm. He is he's 36 years old. He turns 37 January 24th. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this as well. Mm. There's another coach in the same division, uh, Sean McVay, um, who is 71 years old and is having the time of his life coaching football right now. Yeah, uh, um, I think that's is that um it's not Cliff not Kingsbury. Cliff, no, yeah, it's not Cliff. Kyle was kind of young as well. Oh, it's it's Pete Carroll. Mm, yeah, it's Pete Carroll. If I'm Pete Carroll and I see this, I'm looking at I'm looking down upon Sean McVay. Going, <laughs> this is pathetic. What? All right, seriously though, like get to compete. Wh- yeah, exactly. Why? Yeah, no. This screams to me. If this is actually true, this screams to me that Sean McVay is scared of what it would look like without having Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Jalen Ramsey, etc. on his team. He has he kind of done it all. I mean, it, it was come it came out in the um it came out in the off season, didn't it, that he was considering. It always seems to be a thing. I guess mm-hmm. he's one of these kind of I mean, to be a successful coach, I think you have to be a maniac, but he is real, like, all in on it. And if you've won it all, does the motivation go? I, I think, really, it shows how special Pete is to have this, like, relentless competitive energy uh, and optimism and even, like, a Belichick where, okay, it's a very different style, but still to keep going. But, like, coaching is tough, like, and it, it would wear you down. And it is a bit weird that it's linked to these this core group like surely you should uh but like what's to say he you know he could take a five-year sabbatical you know i think that would be cool 
I kind of wonder if it's also like he knows that there's TV networks that have interest in him and are willing to. Oh, he could have so much money. Back, yeah. yeah. Back up the Brinks truck for him. I mean, because look, I mean, yeah. like, look at what Tony Romo got. Right. Like, yeah. Sean McVay. Sean McVay isn't making that kind of money. Face working. for TV. Yeah. And, you know, he does all the that stuff where you can remember plays from when he was back in Washington. And It'd be like the the new, hopefully not to be canceled and not problematic, uh, Gruden. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so then yeah, he'd I go think... and coach the Raiders <laughs> after <laughs> so many years. And then hopefully no. Maybe the commanders. Out. Maybe the commanders after they get sold. Oh, perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. 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 A uh, 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 homecoming for, for, uh, well, it was his old team. That's that's why it's a home. They had a different for, name. For, yeah. yeah, they had a different name. Uh, yeah. When we it will was, not it was be worse. repeating on this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although the Commanders is a bad name compared to the football team. Left hand up. Who are we? The Commanders. Is that, the, that that's a song? Yeah, yeah, there's a song. Yeah, there's a Commander song. It's, um, I was really catch. I quite like that. That's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes We're I just get it stuck. In, and it was, sometimes I get it stuck in my head. I'll just be like, you know, cleaning uh-huh. or you know, whatever, yeah. and being like, so, taking your socks uh, off. Yeah, taking my socks off, putting them in a hamper, uh, somewhere that is located somewhere in my bedroom. Maybe not right next to my bed, Maddie, but I'm not, you know, lazy. From downtown. Yeah, from downtown, I'm draining threes with my uh with my nikes uh-huh. you know so nice we, we're covering the wrong washington team then i think we are i think we are you know? oh dear yeah once once the commanders uh get sold and have uh an owner hopefully hopefully fingers crossed that is not you know uh garbage um uh, we have a we, ty we have a question here before we hop off okay uh so Michael Somerville, thank you for commenting. He said, what's the five-down lineman look they've been playing the last three weeks called? Uh, I don't know, because <laughs> I'm not part of their meetings. I know... You haven't zoomed in on the play sheets? You haven't You haven't figured oh, no, tra- it out? You haven't, you <laughs> haven't deciphered? That. Why Jetty Images and uh, other f- photographers, people, etc., love you guys. Um... Could you please take more pictures of Clint Hurt? Because like, let's his defense is doing well now. Why is there loads of pictures of him when they're struggling and now no pictures? Now, now to be and fair, if he's holding Maddie, a play sheet, that would also be preferable. But I, you know, now to be fair, Maddie, I don't think the Seattle Seahawks PR team would appreciate one of their credential reporters um, finding that information and then leaking said information onto the, uh, to the internet, because now you're, yes, you're big true. time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you're big that. time. However, now. Michael, what I can tell you is uh, Clint hurt. He did say uh, he said this, he said, and I, I did have my suspicions, but he said they're three, three, five look. So that's three big uglies. Well, they're beautiful, but they're big guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's mean, Maddie. So mean. Uh, but I'm a small guy, so um, two outside Short linebackers, uh, and then uh, the nickel, so Kobe Bryant, the inside linebacker, which is Jordan Brooks, and then the strong safety Ryan Neal. So like, you get a five-one or five-three look. He called that Penny, which is what Fangio calls Penny. So they are mm. using the Vic Fangio uh, terminology. 
which would mean the bare front, even with the adjustment, Michael, is called tight. And then the convention would be, uh, so like if you're running uh, quarter, quarter, half, they'd call that tight will six because the two outside linebackers are the Sam and the will, which is confusing, right? Because the will used to be an off-ball guy. And the tight will six, the Sam drops in coverage. He's the quarter flat player in the cover four part of the coverage. And then the will is rushing, which is why there's the will element to tell you it's tight will six. It's still a four-man rush, but the fourth rusher is the will, not the Sam outside linebacker. And then um, if you're asking what they've been playing the last three weeks, five down linemen where they've had... um, you know, your question could be taken a few ways, but if, if it's the five down lineman, um, well, no, that's that's the only way to answer it. Other than Carol in the past, I've wrote an article on it, but at 2006 at USC, they couldn't stop Vince Young, they couldn't stop the spread. Uh, the Rose Bowl happened, right, against Texas. Um, I mean, Vince Young was Vince Young, right? So that doesn't help. Yeah. But then he developed, f- via his 4-3 system, he developed a bare front, which he called stick, which, again, Jordan Brooks revealed that. But I, d- I wrote an article on that, Michael, in um, uh, in the off-season because I thought they'd build on that. But there's a I edited that article. History. Ty- edited- yeah, Ty edited it. He had to yeah. put up with all that stuff. So It was like, it, I think between the two parts, it was like 5,000 words, 6,000 words. <laughs> Like you wrote a lot for go. those articles, we, yeah. I literally spent like, uh, like an embarrassing amount of time on that. Like I spent, uh, we're talking like 108 hours. Like I spent, so I, I yeah. ordered books from the US to try and find references to bare fronts, and then it was a much smaller article than I actually thought it would be. But anyway, I it was the big story of the season uh, back then because they did it to help out against the Rams. like bootlegs and and like looking for play action crosses and all that stuff and it actually worked do you remember um how they won the division uh mm-hmm. and the defense actually sorted their stuff out in in our opinions anyway uh so michael that is stick um and the techniques they're running now are much more like stick than vic fangio's tight which is also a, what you'd call a bare front right but they probably still call it tight because they're using the Fangio language and it might confuse the players. However, there's no way of knowing and you don't need to know really, but cool question. And you let me ramble for 10 extra minutes. So thank you, Michael. We appreciate you. And we appreciate everyone for their comments because there's been lots and they've been very useful. Um, if you're listening to this afterwards, we are, we do go live on YouTube at my YouTube channel at uh, Matty F Brown and, um, we also go live uh, on Twitter at Matty F. Brown. Um, and, you know, you can get involved with the show live, have a have a little impact on it. Until we'll next have time. Have a little chat. You just had to ruin it. We're having such a good show. It's just so oh, uh, <laughs> Until next time. I can't, I can't help myself, Matty. I can't. I can't control no myself. Can. It's, so, it's like Americans have this button. I yeah. did a... Um, I did a I did a Giants podcast and it didn't go well. Like in the comments, they were hating me. They they called someone called me a tea and crumpets fucker. <laughs> I mean to be fair, like that is much better than the usual. Cause like usually it's like, oh, you've got um 
you know, you got bad teeth, something about the queen, uh, right. beans on toast. Right, the, the this, classics, this, the classics. The teen crumpets, fuck her. That, that's, that was New York. New York came for me. I, I knew yeah. it. I just knew it. Uh, you know, I'm from New York. You, you've seen those videos, right? With Spider Cuz and them. Yeah, yeah. Outside mm-hmm. of the Knicks games and all that. Yeah, yes, you, you were yes. Trey Young in this. Uh, I was. I was. Yeah, with, yeah. um, no, let's not go after his hair. I need a haircut still. Okay. By the way, I, I saw the Raptors play the uh, the Hawks uh, yes. on uh, on Monday, and, and uh, there were Trey's balding uh, chants that were happening at the stadium. I, I can confirm. I think he knows he's balding. Like, yeah. I think he probably knows that. Why are they telling him? I mean, you know, also like it, it seems, and it's and it's like it's like a choice at it's it's like a choice at this point for him too, right? Like he has like LeBron fixed his hairline, like he's got money, like he can he can do it. Like no, I I like that he hasn't, but I I think yeah. maybe baldy, go for the baldy bald. Yeah, yeah, just go go, just lean into it. Like, like when I get that to that point, I'm gonna go for it, you know. Yeah, just, just maybe. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. That's, commit. I'm not firmly commit. I feel as a sports writer and sports person, columnist. I'm not a columnist. Why am I saying this? Sports content creator. I think it's having like a balding thing going on might be might work. You know, like wispy hair. Mm-hmm. Maybe glasses. Add some glasses in. Mm, that sounds like a certain former coach. Uh of the uh minnesota vikings it sounds no not like that that. more like larry (laughs) david (laughs) okay all right all right all right i got you i got you i don't know you could go your mustache little cul-de-sac i'm just saying i'm just saying you can throw it back to the mid 2000s minnesota vikings i'm just saying okay let's let's wrap up let's i'm done with this i'm done with this right Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Like, subscribe, review, five stars. We appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow with the Tape Review Podcast with Driffin, possibly Ty, and uh, lots of all 22 to answer your questions about how the Seahawks beat the heck out of the Giants and how they will hopefully defeat the Arizona Cardinals for the second time this season and move to 6-3 and, and first place in the NFC West.